coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. Let's welcome Pastor Brad up as he gives life-changing message this morning. This isn't the part I anticipated. This is a long intro. There we go. That's what I wanted. I think we should come up to this every time. This part only right here, right? Every time you come up, it just makes you feel good. I'm going to need some help. I... Uh, all right, welcome. To, is anyone ready to have a good time in church today? Does anyone anyone believe that that's possible? I do, and uh, that's generally the plan week to week. Sometimes we achieve it, sometimes we fail. But uh, here's what we're doing. We're continuing our series, Campfire Stories, and it's been going for a really long time now. It's going to keep going for a really long time because summer takes a while, and we're going to make it all the way through. Uh, if you've got a Bible, who's got a hard copy fifth? Full copy of the Bible here today. Let's see how we're doing. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Oh, that was almost a record. Oh, seven. Oh, okay. Revival's almost here. And uh, we're on our way. If you're using the Version Bible app, you can pull that up. There's three dots in the bottom right-hand corner. It's more. You hit that. You hit events. You'll find all of the sermon notes and the Bible verses for today's message on your device. And uh, yeah, is, any, is anyone, everyone had a good week so far? Everyone had a good week? Everyone's ready to have another great week? Anyone? Don't forget there's no, there's only 10 o'clock next week, okay? So that's just set your clock. That, not that affects anyone here because you don't come to 12. But if you did, uh, there's no 12 o'clock next week. All right, let's get into, these are the wrong notes. Those are from last week. That's fine. Keith's working on it. And uh, that's okay because I don't need them. Here we go. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Matthew chapter 16. Here we go. Starting at verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. Oh, I just said hell really weird. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you fit for forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Okay, so here's, uh, here's what's interesting and exciting about uh, this, and it's got nothing to do with this. I just needed to tell you this story. Uh, when I was going on my, my honeymoon, uh, any, any, anyone take a honeymoon when you got married? Any honeymooners? Anyone take a really extended honeymoon that's the longest in the history of all time? Okay, great. You guys right here in the front. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, we're going on our honeymoon. So when, when Des and I got married, we, we, we went right to the airport, uh, straight from our reception, got our clothes, went straight to the airport. We flew out that night. We had like a 1 a.m. flight. So we rushed straight there. It was great because you didn't have to talk to all the relatives you didn't want to talk to. You had a reason to leave. So um, you go straight to the, <laughs> you go straight. All right. You guys all did that too. Okay. 
We had to go right to the airport. So I go to the airport, and, and I did a whole bunch of things in, like, preparation for this honeymoon, as one does. I, I, I got the Maple Leaf Lounge access pass because, you know, it's like this is the one time in my life that I can afford this and I'm going to be able to do this. So, you know, you got, you got that, that pass, which you couldn't do because it's closed, and it was very disappointing. But, but I did it, and I prepared for it. It was, it was all good. And we got there. You know, I like to be there early, like at least two, two and a half early. I like that. I'm that guy. I've missed flights because of – incompetence and I wasn't going to do it again and my incompetence and so uh, I like to get there we're there early and just like any other newlyweds you're going through all the envelopes trying to figure out which ones are cash and which ones are checks and because uh, you know you want to take them on your honeymoon I mean let's just real talk it out and uh, and so I thought you know I even had the wedding program with like our proof of marriage in it I don't know why I brought it but I just like uh, hey I'm, I'm newly married uh, I'm sw- I just swaggered on up to the uh, desk I'm like, hey, uh, it's our honeymoon. Like, I don't know if you can tell, Des is with me. And, like, you know, girl, like, they get their makeup all done, you know, and, like, the hair. So, like, you can tell, even if you're in street clothes, you're like, you've just come from somewhere. And I'm like, hey, and I put kind of put the program on the, I'm like, hey, uh, just, it's our wedding day. <laughs> and uh, I've heard that if you come up to the desk and you just, like, you're like, hey, it's our wedding, that there's a chance, it's a red eye, there's a chance that maybe we could, like, get an upgrade. And, uh, you know, it's just a great day. And the lady looks at me and she goes, maybe you should have paid for it. <laughs> Grab my thing. just <laughs> Because when you work at Air Canada, there's requirements. You can't be happy. You can't be polite. You can't be chipper. You can't be delightful. You can't have a pleasant demeanor. Uh, <laughs> you should not be accommodating. You shouldn't help people. Uh, you shouldn't be a nice human being. And, you, you know, I'm questioning your salvation if you're a believer. If you, if you, you, you work at Air Canada, it's just the reality. But, but, but the truth is there are certain people that just seem to fit for certain jobs. If you're unpleasant, I think you should consider applying for Air Canada. Like it's just, it's just a, a real thing. But when Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. I think all the disciples are like, um, him? You feel like that's a good fit. You feel like this person fits in this role pretty good. Like you think, Jesus, I'm not questioning that you're the son of the living God, but I'm just kind of wondering whether or not you really feel like Peter's the right guy. He's impulsive. He's brash. He's, uh, he's a little over the top. He's aggressive. He's a little violent at times. He speaks without thinking. He just kind of like, Jesus, I know that you're Jesus, uh-huh, but maybe do you think Peter's the right guy to lead the church forward. You think that he's the right guy? If we back it up, this is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of, because how many know context is important? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked him, but who, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. 
So the context, the, 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 to back up the story, the tale of the tape is before Jesus dropped this like job title and name change on Peter, because before he was known as Peter, which we know him as, he was known as Simon. Before Jesus dropped this like nickname on him, Peter, something else happened. They had this conversation. Now Jesus and his disciples were away uh, in Caesarea Philippi. Just turn to somebody and say Caesarea Philippi. It's a nice place, a great destination. It's a nice vacation spot for Jesus and his disciples. It was away from Jerusalem, away from the crowds, most importantly. It was away from his enemies. It was away from his haters. There was a distance, a long ways away. So Jesus and his guys were just having a little retreat, not an extended honeymoon, but a little retreat. And they were just kind of hanging out for a few days, having this conversation. And Jesus goes, you know, hey, guys, who, what are people saying about me? Like, what, what, what are you hearing on the streets? What's the word on the street?" Now, what's interesting about Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi is that not only was it far away from Jerusalem, but it was far away from a lot of Jewish people. There was also a lot of a Gentiles, so basically anyone who's not a Jew is far away from all those kind of people. And, and so he wanted to know not only what the word on the street was with his enemies, because haters are going to hate, but he wanted to know what word was getting out on the street. What's the word on the street about me? Like, oh, well, some think you're Elijah. Some think you're John the Baptist coming back, even though... Is beheaded, but uh, some some think you're this guy. Some think you're this guy. Everyone thinks that you're somebody else. Jesus shifts the conversation immediately as they're kind of bantering down on ideas. I, I imagine that they're kind of like brainstorming. It's like it's like oh, Elijah, John the Baptist. You know, everyone's kind of throwing in their ideas. He says, no, 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 no. But who do you who do you say that I am? And before anyone else can respond, Peter responds to me. He says, you're, you're the son of the living God. You're the son of the living God. Now, context is important. Setting is important. Caesarea Philippi, it was a mostly Gentile city named after Caesar. <laughs> Caesarea. They worship a God named Pan. Turn to somebody and say Pan. Turn to somebody else, your second choice, and say Peter Pan. It wasn't Peter Pan, but... Nothing to do with it, but they worship this God named Pan. What, what, what else is, is significant about this location was if you roll it back a couple hundred years, they worshiped another God named Baal right at this spot, right in this town, right in this city, right in this place. If, if you recall, Baal is the big, big enemy. He's, the, he's like the boss level at the end of your video game. He's the boss that comes out at the end of your level in the Old Testament. They were always coming against Baal. It was Elijah who went up against the prophets of Baal, and he called down fire from heaven. He says, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to call out to my God, you know, Yahweh. Uh, I'm going to call out to him, Jehovah. You call out to yours, name Baal, in this corner. Baal, the worst, in this corner, the living God over here. And uh, whoever sends down fire first is the real God. I mean, this is awesome stuff. I wish we could kind of do these kind of things, like in the parking lot after church. Be like, okay, everyone, just, just letting you know, uh, right after church, we're going to call down some fire from heaven, just so you know Jesus Christ is the living God. But this is the Old Testament. Baal was worshipped here. And in that moment, it says that, that, the, that the prophets of Baal started, like, dancing and chanting, and they were, like, doing seances, and they were singing songs. They were doing anything that they could think to do. And Elijah just goes out to his altar, and he just takes a whole bunch of water and just dumps on everything. He's like, not only is he going to send fire, he's going to burn up all the wet stuff. And they're like, um, okay, keep dancing in a circle. Hopefully Baal will do something. He didn't do anything. The only God who responded was the living God. 
So in this spot, in this moment, this significant spot where people were worshiping Pan and before that people were worshiping Baal, Peter blurts out something. You're not only the son of God, because that's a term that people use in those days. If we don't use it now, I'm not like, hey, I'm Brett, son of God. Uh, but it was something that they would have used then as, as Pan worshipers or Baal worshippers. He said, no, no, you're not the son of God. You're the son of the living God. The God who is alive, the one true God. In this place where for generations people have worshipped fake gods, right here, right now, you're the living God. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 on this rock, I will build my church. But I think these questions that Jesus asks are like, are really interesting. Who do people say that I am? I don't know. Who do people say that Jesus is? Taking suggestions. Who, 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 like, what, what do people think of Jesus when they hear Jesus? What do you think? Good, good teacher? Prophet? Not God? <laughs> good man? Anyone else? Yes, where, where, there you go. Anyone else? Who do people say that Jesus is? Anyone know? Anything else? Feel free, be bold. Yeah? People say all kinds of things about Jesus. It's a fraud. He's good, but not God. Some people even question his existence, even though we've got thousands and thousands of documented pieces of artifacts that say Jesus did, in fact, walk this earth. Who do people say that Jesus is? If we're being honest with ourselves, Sometimes I wonder if we care too much about who other people think Jesus is. Oh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't talk to this person about Jesus because I just don't know what they think about who he is. You know, maybe I shouldn't wear this Christian T-shirt at work, which probably don't. Um <laughs> Unless it's a new Engage City Church, hope looks good on you, shirt. Um, coming to you soon in bomber jackets. Um, maybe I shouldn't do this because what if somebody, what if they think about Jesus? What if they don't think about Jesus in the way that I think about Jesus? But that leads us to the question, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? What is... What is the greater influence in my life? What other people say Jesus is or what I know Jesus to be? Who do I say that Jesus is? Jesus, I think he's here right now today, and he would look us in the eyes, and he looks in straight into our hearts and our souls, and he says, who do you say that I am? I think a lot of us like Jesus. We like his teachings, and a lot of us live like Jesus is dead every day. I know this because... When we, have a, when we have an issue or we have a problem, we, we say this thing, and I, hey, I'm guilty as charged, and I'm just saying it because it's real and it happens in everyone's life. But the truth is, you get into trouble, you get into a situation, you do everything that you physically know how to do to fix the problem, and then you go, oh, man, God, what am I going to do? I need you. I've done everything that I know how to do. I've done it all. I've done this. I've done that. I've done that thing. I've talked to this person. I got this advice. I took out a mortgage I shouldn't have taken out to make sure that I could pay for this thing. God, what am I going to do? I've done everything that I know how to do. And you get to the very end of your rope and you go, well, I guess I'll pray. And then you're like, hey, 
Jesus, my life is a, is a hot mess. It's a wreck. I've led myself down this path that I probably should have never gone down because you never wanted it for me, but I wasn't listening because I cared more about who I said that I was instead of who you said that I was because even though you created me and you made me and you, you put everything within me and you probably know how to get the best out of me, I thought I probably was an expert in this field. And now I'm in, I'm in like dire straits and I'm stuck. And if you could just go back on the cross and die for this situation again for me because I don't think you got enough juice left in the tank because you're dealing with other people at healing meetings with Benny Hinn. Right? Like, Jesus, if you could just die for us again. No, no, Jesus died. And guess what? Jesus didn't just die. Jesus, he came back. I'm back. But we live like there's not enough left in the tank. We live like Jesus couldn't possibly do it again and he wouldn't possibly want to do it for me, but the truth is he already did it for you. We just superimpose humanity onto God and we go, man, if it was me and if God knew about me and if he knew about my thing and knew about my problem, I don't think he'd want to do it because I don't think I'm worth it. I don't think I'm worthwhile or my problem's not big enough and he's probably got other things to handle. So I'm not going to bring it to him because this is kind of like a small thing to him. I mean, I'll tell everybody else around me that my world's falling apart, but I probably shouldn't bother the big guy. He's probably got to trim that long beard or something. Because we, we think that Jesus and God has finite limitations. Because we have finite limitations. Because we come to the end of our rope, we feel like he doesn't have enough left to handle. I don't know if he can do it. You're right. He didn't come back from the dead. It's fine. He doesn't know how to overcome the greatest enemy that you and I face, the tip, ticking time bomb, that you and I are actually dying while we're sitting here. And Jesus is like, hey, I know how to beat that, and I know how to give you eternal life, so don't worry about it. But you're right, I probably couldn't heal your cat. I actually, uh, uh, we had a new bully. Cats, okay, I'm not going there. Long story short, I deeply offended somebody at New Believers Bible study uh, by talking about cats and just dying, but it's fine. You have a cat. Jesus loves you, and I'm praying for you. Um, But who do I say that Jesus is? Who do I say that Jesus is? Who is he to me? Who is he in my life? What kind of precedence does he take? What kind of priority does he take? What What kind of, like, conversations do I have with him? Is it real? Is it active? Because Peter had it right. Jesus, you're the son of the living God. Not only are you the son of the living God, but you're the living God right here, right now in this place. You're living. You're alive. you're You're proof. You're real. You're everything. You're evidence. You're the answer. You are it. And he goes, yeah, on this rock I can build my church. I can build on this guy. I can build on this guy because he didn't come upon that by any human knowledge. The Bible says you did not learn this from any human being. But my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. If you were to go back in your life, just kind of roll back. I don't know, any, any diary people here? Any, anyone like write diaries? Me neither, I'm just seeing. Uh, any journalers? That's the, oh, okay, so you're the, okay, so you write a diary, great. Um, 
if you if you're if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, and if you're a journaler and you keep records, or if you're like me and you use Evernote on your phone and you keep record these significant de- details, there's chances are there's at least one thing that's happened in your timeline, the timeline of your life, like a Facebook memory pops up that you could say, "Hey, Jesus did this." Right? Just one. Can, can anyone think of one? If you, you've got one in your mind, just put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to share, but just, if you've got one in your mind, just put your hand up. Yeah, you know, Jesus did this. All the way back to, like, salvation. Like, no, no, leave your hand up in the air. If there's, if there's anyone that God has done one thing in your life, just one, just one thing. He's been a part of one thing. If even you're a jerk and you've got better because you've been around Jesus or he brought somebody into your life, there's one thing that Jesus has done in your life. Okay, great, that's a lot of hands. Uh, your hand's not up yet. Uh, yeah, hands up, great. Yeah, I know you're holding your coffee and you're journaling this moment, but. <laughs> but the reality is you can put your hands down. When, when you look around the room and you see believers, you understand that everyone's got a moment. Everyone's got a time. Everyone's got this place. Everyone's got this thing where God showed up. Guess what? God revealed himself to you in that moment. It wasn't by you and your good understanding. It was God showing up and do something, and he revealed himself to you that I'm the living God, and I'm at work, and I'm alive in your life right now. I'm not things of fairy tales, and I'm not just a nice piece of literary uh, 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 work that you can just take in and digest and think about the nice philosophies. We serve and we worship Jesus, the living God who died on a cross and more importantly rose again, and he's still got something left in the tank. In fact, the tank is always full. He's the best road trip partner ever because you never have to pay for gas. He's always got enough, but we're like always coming in on empty. Why are we always coming in on empty? Because we believe Jesus is the son of the dead God. The God who's too busy, who's unavailable, not reachable, unattainable. Peter may have been a mess. He may have been a disgrace. He might have been impulsive. He might have been responsive. He might have been a little aggressive and at times violent, but he had the foresight and the understanding to say, something's going on here. This guy's the son of the living God. How much more does Jesus have to do for any of us to be aware of how good he is and how much he loves you and cares for you and is at work in your life and isn't just at work in your life but wants to work through you? How much more does he have to do? You're right. Peter's the wrong guy for the job, but he, he was the only guy that was willing to say it. He was the only willing to say, one to say, wow, yeah, Jesus is the son of the living God. And here in the land of the dead gods, I'm just going to let everybody know that this guy is legit. And I'm going to chop your ear off later if you come at me. Here's the other thing. Keith, uh, if you could help me out, go back to Matthew chapter 16 in the ESV. We're going to look at... Um, Verse 18. Also, just while we're getting there, uh, does anyone notice that Jesus' crew has, like, literally the greatest nicknames of all time? And I think that they're all professional wrestlers. Because his inner circle, he's like, hey, Simon, you're the rock. Awesome. And this is James and John, sons of thunder, tag team champions of the world. Doubting Thomas, still a pretty good nickname. Oh, that's just Thomas. Don't worry about it. I mean, if he's on board, you should be concerned. You know, it's like, and the other guys, you don't even remember their names. They're just like a part of the posse. It's fine. 
they're there. But they're all like professional wrestlers. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And here we go. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when we read the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, oftentimes we also like to play on defense instead of offense. We believe that the world is crumbling. Everyone's coming for us. They're coming to get us. They're coming to get Christianity. And the truth is you're probably right about that. But here's the thing. In the Bible, we go, oh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when we get stuck, get upset, or we get trapped, or we're in a problem, and we start praying, we say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to your Lord my soul to keep. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against your church, Jesus. Please help us. We're losing. We're losers. Get me to heaven. Get me out now. Send the rapture. I'm not even sure if I believe in that theologically, but bring it on. <laughs> Help me get out, Jesus. See, for Christianity, a lot of us, we love end times mainly because we love to get out. We're so afraid of what's coming. We're so afraid of what could come against us and what, that what could harm us that we forget that God is the God of though a weapon is formed against you, it shall not prosper. Guess what? A weapon is formed, has to be formed against you, which means gun to the face for it to not prosper. they got to actually pull the trigger and it click for it not to prosper. That's a long way from, oh, dear God, get me out now. End it soon. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hey, um, guess what? The gates of hell, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We go, oh, man, that's a great promise. Like the promise of God is just so good, you know, that nothing's going to hurt us because nothing can come against us. Nothing's going to prevail against us. No, no, no. Nothing's going to prevail against uh, the, the, ch the church will not be overcome by the gates of hell. Meaning the gates of hell aren't coming to get us. We're going to get them. The gates of hell aren't coming to get you because the gates, if you go back to the Greek in this part portion of Scripture right here, the gates meant a fortification or an embankment, someone where they built into a hill like Lord of the Rings where they build the fortress into the mountain. Uh, that's, that's what it is, and that place is called hell, and the gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail against us, but they cannot prevail against us because they cannot keep up the defenses because Jesus, I don't know if you remember this, but in Luke chapter 4 he says, I came to set the captives free. That those who are under oppression, they're going to be set free. That those are, we're going to heal the sick and set people free. That when I go up to the gates of hell, I'm going to storm the gates of hell. They're not going to storm me. And when I storm them, they cannot stand up to the love, the mercy, the grace, the compassion, and the power of the living God whose name is Jesus Christ. That the gates of hell cannot stand up against to the church. But we get so afraid. You know, this is great. This wasn't even the notes, but this is great. This came to me. In, in the book of James... Okay, does anyone see devils around the corner at all times? You're like, oh, man, Bible didn't open to the right Bible verse. Devil's trying to stop me from reading my Bible. We all know those people. Oh, not enough gas in the tank today, not supposed to go to church. That's not destiny, that's your incompetence. I'm out of hand today. Um, 
so sometimes I think we get really, like, worked up on the type of strategy that we need to overcome the devil. We're like, okay, so I'm going to march around seven times, going to dump a vat of oil on myself, and I'm going to sit in a corner and uh, cry out and pray for the next 72 hours, and maybe then uh, the Oilers will win uh, the Stanley Cup. I'm going to fight against the, the gates of hell on this one. And, um, and, and we go through all these rituals and this, and this, this rigmarole, and we're like, man, you know who we can't? We, we serve the living God, Jesus Christ. We love him. We sing him. Can't get enough. You know, whatever the songs we sing today. I only want to sing. You know, we're singing about Jesus. We love all these songs. And then we're like, oh, man, you know who's big and scary and can probably take Jesus out? Devil. That guy's a bad dude. You know what the Bible says about the devil and you? In the book of James, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I tell you the greatest single strategy in your life to overcoming sen- S- Satan, the enemy? You know, he's the enemy of your soul, Satan, the enemy of your soul. He's my enemy. That's a thing. We should get T-shirts. <laughs> Satan, the enemy of my soul. <laughs> the greatest playbook, the greatest game plan. Can I tell you the greatest military strategist, the, the risk boards, all those things, the, the, the greatest plan that Jesus came up for you to overcome, the evil one, the one who's trying to bring you down, who's trying to steal that rich and abundant life, who's trying to take it away from you. He's like, hey guys, here's the ultimate play for you to, do, to, to just crush the gates of hell. Are you guys ready for it? And I imagine it's like a huddle. I'm like, yeah, let's do this thing. What's the play? He's like, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. No, 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 but I want to fight. You, you don't need to fight. Why don't I need to fight? Oh, right, you died on the cross. You rose again. You crushed the power of sin and death, which Satan had. Then you went down into hell, grabbed the keys of life, which Satan was holding on to for a while until you came, took them back. So you went in there, died, rose again, went to hell, grabbed the keys, came back, and you're like, all right, eternal life, let's go. Jesus is alive. He's the living God. All powerful. He's overcome any power that Satan has. Yeah, he's got limited powers, but guess what? The same power that conquered the grave now lives in you. So all the power of heaven, all the power of Jesus now lives in you. Because listen, listen, the Bible just, it said that. We just weren't listening. I will give you the keys, verse 19, Matthew chapter 16. Of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We just didn't believe it when we read it the first time. Because we were still wrapping our minds around the Jesus is the living God part. Wow. You mean I've been spending all this time chasing demons away when all I had to do was resist? Yeah. You know how the greatest way to resist the devil? Trust Jesus. Fear is just faith used in reverse. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Here's the other good news. If Jesus can use Peter and he can say, this guy is leading things, then he can use any of us. Because I don't know if you recall Peter's story. Not only was he like, 
over-the-top, aggressive, kind of just said whatever came to his mind, impulsive, mostly violent. He chopped the guy's ear off. Jesus put it back on. Not a big deal. He also denied Jesus three times. After he promised Jesus that you could do anything to me, man, and I will never deny you. They're like, hey, are you with Jesus? Yes, I know. I don't know him. A girl at a fire asked him. <laughs> Not a soldier. Little girl at fire. That would be like as if a six-year-old came up to be like, hey, are you with Jesus? No. Who told you that? But Jesus was okay with that because the psalm says that we can come just as we are. But when we come to Jesus just as we are, he begins to extract the things that he's placed inside of us. He begins to refine our character. And if we trust him and we resist the devil, he's going to lead us forward on a journey step by step by step by step by step. And we don't have to be afraid when things come or weapons are formed against us because we serve Jesus, the son of the living God, who conquered death, who conquered the grave. He went down to hell, took away the keys that the gates of hell can't prevail against us. They're not coming for us. They're hiding from you. You just haven't been aware of it yet and this is why I think Jesus knew he could trust Peter first Peter 2 decades later he says you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple he was rejected by people but he was chosen by God for great honor and he said now he's talking about you okay and you are living stones. Peter says, I might be the rock, but you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. Come on, now this is a promise right here. If you had a real Bible, I'd tell you to underline it. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts in Jesus will never be disgraced. Who do you say that Jesus is today? You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.